you can be scared and not and not take that risk. And a lot of us are, you know. Uh, and I'll put myself in the category too. I was scared for a long time. You know, it's a it's, there's safety and there's the unknown. And sometimes it just turns out right. You just got to believe in yourself and the process, and hopefully it comes all around for you. Hello, I'm Jim Fox, and welcome to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live. Welcome to the Luminovation Podcast. I'm Jim Fox, and in today's episode, we're going to be visiting with Jason Henson, the entrepreneur behind a new business in the Houston area called VeloFix, a mobile bicycle repair shop. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me out. Yeah. So you're a cyclist. Tell us about biking. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've always ridden my whole life. It's always been the way to get out of the house when you're a kid and you have the opportunity. It's your first chance of freedom. And uh, when I was in the military, I always had to be able to take a bike with me on the boat, go to different countries and have the opportunity to do some riding there. So uh, it was it's always something I do. And now it's something I do with it's my family. It's a fun escape from reality, isn't it? It is. It, it's it's, totally it's, uh, it's it's relaxing because you can you think about what you're doing and not what's going on in, in everything else in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So you've, uh, over the last uh, few weeks or few months, uh, you've managed to turn a hobby into a business. Uh, tell us about VeloFix. What is VeloFix? So VeloFix is a mobile bike repair shop, and it's taken away from what you would normally do in the, uh, the bicycle industry. Most people take their bike in for repair. They take it to a brick-and-mortar shop that... Uh, you drop it off, you get a ticket, you come back and you pick it up maybe two, three days later. This concept, you the van pulls up to your house after you book online. We You roll the bike out to the van, we put it in, we fix it, turn it right back to you within an hour or two, depending on what level of service you get. Very cool. And that's, uh, like I, we were talking before we got on the air, that, that's a unique twist on the business I've, I've never heard of before. Uh, we've heard of mobile car repair, mobile you know, doctors coming to the houses again now, but never mobile bike repair. Uh, that's that's definitely intriguing. How how long have you been in business now? Just a few days, right? You're just getting started. So our official launch date is uh, July 31st. Okay. We've had, we've had the van since the uh, the end of June. So we I went and picked it up and drove it back, and we've just been out to what they call parketing. You know, trying to get the park it somewhere and let people see it, and we're out driving it around just to get the word out and handing out business cards to make people aware of our presence. And I know firsthand that that method works. How do I know that? <laughs> because I stopped you at Bucky's, and that's <laughs> where I went up to you and handed you a business card, and we got to talking, and now I'm here on your podcast. Yeah, that's right. So I was out, out cycling uh, Sunday. I think it was Sunday. My days were running out. Yes. I think it was Sunday. And just uh, tooling around the area with a friend, and uh, sure enough, this fellow comes up with a business card and a big old shiny van, and uh, and what a story! It's been it was kind of neat. I, I didn't expect to uh, to kind of run into you there. That that was kind of a neat surprise. So tell us what you've learned uh, thus far about uh, about Velofix. Have you known about them for a long time? How long have they been around? So Velofix has been around for about five years. They're uh, the number two ranked uh, franchise in Entrepreneur Magazine for 2018. Uh, they started off with uh, just three people. Uh, they were on the Canadian version of Shark Tank, which is called the Dragon's Den. And okay. they got their funding through some people that were on there. And uh, started with one guy driving the van, who's now the operations chief for the business. And uh, he, he bought a van. They drove it to Home Depot, parked it in the parking lot, and he ran in every 15 minutes getting parts to try and make the van work. And wow. they set out on their own and tried to 
to develop this concept that's now morphed into what we have today. And so where are they headquartered out of? In Vancouver. In Vancouver, okay. And then how many franchisees, you're, you're a franchise, we haven't mentioned that yet, but how many franchisees are there? So currently there's 150 franchises in North America. They're the largest mobile bike repair shop in North America. Okay, and, and so you know what what number you are exactly? Is it oh, I, I think I'm around 145. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm way at the, the tail end of everything. I just saw on uh, the Velofix or at the Velofix on Twitter that they had posted a picture. Whoever's running that account of coming soon to Houston, and they had a picture of several people on a bike uh, cycling. Was one of the, was that a picture of you by by chance? Uh, no, I don't think so. I haven't seen that picture, okay. so I haven't been on Twitter today. Or uh, okay, so. all right. So yeah, so that's uh, they they said coming soon to Houston and a few other towns, and uh, and I wondered if perhaps you'd went out there and maybe went riding with some of those guys and uh, as part of the marketing and getting yeah, started. We we were in Vancouver last week for our training, and uh, yeah. we had a a franchise from East Bay, Oakland, California, and a franchise from Orlando that was also out there. So uh, I th I think yeah, that's all coming back to me now. So I think the tw the tweet actually mentioned California, which gave me the impression that the headquarters is there in California, but that's not the case. It's in Vancouver. Right. Very cool. Very cool. So it is a franchise. Uh, so you, how long have you kind of had the idea that uh, I'll quit my uh, boring day job or at least uh, supplement my boring day job with something new and different? How did that process start for you? So uh, I... I I came across Velofix by actually looking for parts for my own personal bike. Uh, just was online and saw this ad on the side that had this big red shiny van. And I said, I wonder what that is. And I clicked on it and said, that's an interesting concept. I'd, I'd really like to have them come work on my bike because I've taken my bike in and had that aggravation of three or four days later or a week later that I get my bike back. And uh, I saw that they didn't actually have the service in my area. And uh, I dug into it a little bit more and thought maybe there was an opportunity to bring it here. They have uh, locations in San Antonio and Austin and Dallas, and I, I, I couldn't let uh, those other three cities uh, outshine the Houston area, so I, I, I ponied up some money and brought it here. Very cool. And we're, uh, for those of you listening, we're in the southeast suburbs of Houston, but Houston is, I mean, to go to, if we were on, wanted to drive to the northwest suburbs of Houston, for instance, that could be a two-hour drive. It's Correct. a long ways away. How big is your geographic range? How, how much of this real estate do you hope to capture with your business? So uh, we they, they sell it by territory, and my territory currently runs from uh, Pearland to Kima, as far north as the Beltway, and then as far south as League City. So that's about a 15 or so, 20-mile uh, circle. Uh, yeah, north and south, take. it's about 15, 20 miles and about 45 miles across. Okay. So. And then, so someone else has got the franchise for downtown Houston and other parts? There's nobody else. Oh, so I see. Right now, this is the only franchise in the Houston area. So, I see. Okay. Uh, but the, the my overall plan is to, they, they expect nine territories here in the Houston area. Wow. I have one, and I hope to be the uh, king of the other eight. So, so uh, you might get the others in I, the, I, the I, it, if It's first come, first serve, so... Uh, I just have to, I need to make this one work first, then yeah. we can see about adding to it. That's probably a common mistake. People want to get it too ambitious and grow too quickly. Uh, so how does that work? You have is, is it kind of allowed to one van per region, or could you get three or four different vans, or how does how does that work? No, it, it can, it, it's it's usually one van per 250,000 people. And okay. uh, if you start making over an X amount of money in uh, sales, then they look to see if you, you obviously have growth potential to have more than one van, and you can sustain more than one vehicle in that area. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so you're. Uh, to me, that sounds. I mean, there's obviously some risk involved. We weren't went out before the show, and we started looking through your van. You've got a huge, big, nice van, tons of tools, tons of parts, and you're still growing your inventory. It's a lot of risk. What was it that made you think uh, this is a risk worth taking for me? Why? Why do that? 
there's there's not anybody else doing it in the Houston area. There's a couple of small independent people. There's one guy up uh, very far north in the in Houston, and there's an, another company that I've seen, but they're not outfitted the same way we are, and they don't have the backing of a a national, you know, North American company that's 150 franchises that can negotiate better prices. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm getting to the point where I thought if I don't do it now, then it, there's always going to be those questions of did I I shouldn't have. Did I take the right risk? Did I not wait? Did I wait too long? And uh, sometimes you just gotta jump off and hope it hope it turns out right. Have you been over the last several years? Have you kind of been hungry for branching out on your own and finding a business of some sort, or did this just kind of hit you like a ton of bricks in one day and just decided to go for it? No, it, it's it's always been you know like something in the back of your head, and but you know you have kids and you're yeah. married and you have to make priorities, and it just got to a point where I things at work weren't where you want them to be, and uh, you can either try and have somebody else. You can either wait and have somebody else try and make those decisions for you, or you can go ahead and make them for yourself. So yeah, with layoffs and all that kind of stuff that we, right. we've all heard about, you might as well take control of your own destiny a little bit. Yeah, right, right. And uh, I, yeah. I work in the oil and gas business, and that's a, a very realistic thing. The last two or three years, it's very cyclical. Absolutely, absolutely. Talk a little bit about the process that you've learned about franchising. Is is that something you knew? prior to this or have you just learned a ton about how franchising works versus starting your own business that's not a not a franchise no i i i had zero entrepreneur skills when i started this which was late november of 2017 okay that's so, moving pretty quick so it's only six or seven months ago that's correct so yeah. uh, I, i've worked you know uh they provide a lot of guidance you know like hey you should do this or you should do that but uh, a lot of it's going online talking to the right people small business association and score are uh, fantastic uh, resources for people that want to start businesses. They give you a lot of good information, and it's most of it's free. They, they set you up with a mentor, and uh, it helps a lot. So, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot just in the last six months, and then going to lawyer to make sure that the franchise wasn't trying to pull anything over you, yeah. and they just uh, yeah. cover your basis, which they like because it shows you're doing your due diligence. And the lawyer that I, I have, she's been doing this for 25, 30 years, so she do. Like she could provide me information that hey you know don't don't sign like this sign like this and do this and don't do that and it, a lot of knowledge and just be open to listen to people. Yeah, find the experts that because you know as much as most of us want to maybe think that we are we're capable of learning and figuring out about everything, don't bother. Go find the experts, Absolutely. hire them out there, you know, pay them a few bucks, and that's way better than you spending six months learning one little trick that that's they right know. and i, I mean yeah. I, I come from an operations background where i'm used to i'm not a finance person but i do have finance experience i can yeah. read a balance sheet i know how to manage people but uh just putting that all together you know and but one industry some of it applies you know in general but you need to, to find the, the people that are really good at that stuff what is one part of the franchising process that uh that you kind of don't like already is there anything that's really kind of kind of stuck out for me, no. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with everything that we've done. I, I think I'm fortunate. I've, you know, talking with the lawyer, she's, she knows people that uh, had fast food restaurants, and they'll come in and say, "Oh, you know what? We've decided we're going to change the whole, uh, the whole layout of the restaurant, and you're on the hook for it, and it's ninety thousand dollars, and you have to come up with that, and you have zero choice. And we're not a franchise that that does it. It's a very owner friendly and. Uh, it's a small. It's 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 150 franchises, but it's still a small community. Okay. And we can communicate with each other and and work with each other. So it's it's right up to this point. It's been really positive. That's good. So you guys have got a, a somewhat of a network of all the other franchisees, Correct. and you're able to 
to share lessons and yes. and that that's that's great. What are some of the things that they have told you that that you know maybe it's like absolutely don't do this kind of thing? What are what are some <laughs> of those definitely don't do or don't redo kind of things? Don't don't go build business in an area that you don't own. You know, uh, I own oh, this I this territory. You don't want to go outside your territory and work to build up customer base that's there to come back and somebody else bought that franchise, uh, that territory, and now you're without that customer base that you spent so, so long. Been a lot of resources buying the next guy customers. That's right. Oh wow. Because they'll recognize the van and won't realize it's another dude. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's a big one. Uh any anything else? What are some of the other lessons that, that have stuck out? Uh call ahead. Call ahead. You call ahead and make sure your customer's gonna be there before you get there. Uh so you don't want to drive all the way to their house for them to, and it just happened recently to a, a one of our franchises that they showed up for a fairly expensive service and the guy forgot they were supposed to be there. And they, instead of being able to rebook that, that time slot, they lost all that, that time. So uh, yeah, call ahead. That's a big lesson. Wow. Okay. So tell us how the process works. How does a person get online or how do they call you? How do they get the app out? Whatever that process is to say, I wanted to get an appointment with you next Tuesday at five o'clock. I need a new back tire. Sure. So you can go to uh, www.velofix.com. They have a place there for you to put your zip code in, and it'll tell you where uh, there's service closest to you if it's in your area. Uh, fill in the information. You pick which service you're looking for. You hit submit, and it goes into the system, and it notifies that, that franchise that you have a, a, a customer. And it's it's just that simple. Okay, and that could be done days, weeks ahead of time. Yeah, I think it's up to three weeks ahead of time. Okay, so I could very much imagine make an appointment, and then you forget about it because yes. it's two or three weeks later. Right. Yeah. So that that's that's a very good lesson learned. Make yep. sure you call them ahead. Uh, very cool. Velofix has been a obviously a good match for you. Have you did you look into other franchises of other business types um, before you settled on Velofix, or since you're a cyclist, you just like all right, this is the one. I'm really not going to kind of widen my scope much. No, I, I had looked into one other. A business uh, prior to this, and it was a, it was another bike shop, but it was a brick and mortar bike shop uh, outside the Houston area, and that's when I got my first lesson on what I could afford and what I couldn't afford, and I couldn't afford that bike shop, so uh, it was a and that all came about through the the SBA and going to one of their classes and learning how people fund, and uh, that's how I learned that that yeah. wasn't for me. Yeah, so there there is an obvious well, um, obvious to me anyway from what little I know of of the business so far is that you've got an advantage of you're going right to the customer and doing repairs there. But of course now I know in this area there's two major bike shops that have been around for decades. Uh, what is the what is the advantage you bring other than just going to the on-site? What how can you compete in an area that's got two well-established bicycle uh, shops? That, and that's a great question. And and you know they they're they're still a place for those guys. You know they we they have the bikes. In the store, you know, we we do do. There's a lot of business moving with the the bicycles moving direct to the consumer online. So, yep. uh, you know, one of our our partners is Canyon. They sell directly to the customer, and we're they're we're their go-to people for assembly. Uh, but upsetting, you know, trying to work my way into a market that, like you said, has two very established bicycle shops is uh, is going to be tough. And but I think that convenience factor in the fact that we're comparable in price, I hope we'll win people over. So I, I, I can think of another advantage too, uh, and it may be depends on the scheduling, but I've, I've dropped my bike off sometimes uh, at a shop and they say, okay, we'll get to it next Tuesday or a week and a half later. Right. And I, I guess I don't know how full your queue may get as you get established, but, but it's possible that your service might actually be quicker. Uh, you, you might get it same day or a couple sure. of days out or something. Hey, you can book up to six hours 
uh, the same day. So as long as our operating hours right now, we've got them set up to 5.30 in the, in the evening. Uh, we also start at 8.30 in the morning, which every bike shop here in the Houston area doesn't open until close to 10. I see. So we have an hour and a half over everybody else. Uh, we went out to a group ride the other night, and it's great that these guys are sponsored by some of these bike shops. But we're there at 8.30 at night. That's right. We were yeah, there so. at the group ride at 5.30 in the evening. We had compressed air. We had adjustments that we could make. We had a van full of parts, and we had ice water that we were offering people just to get our name out. That's, so. that's great PR. That's, that's really good. What are some of the uh, other, um, I guess the way you found me, just, just wandering around the area, finding a, a cyclist and giving them a card. What are some of the other kind of uh, guerrilla marketing methods you've you've come up with or heard about from the other and franchisees? So it's 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 a lot of social media, you know, uh, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, of course we're we're looking to go to some events, and that's those are the calls that I'm making now, just to hey, can we come out to your event? You, I think you'd really be surprised to see what we can offer you. You know, we're going to bring the bike shop to you. We're not going to bring a canopy and set up a table. We're going to bring our whole operation to your to your event and be able to service your your people that are in the uh, in the in the competition. Yes, and there's there's tons and tons of different uh, uh, bicycle brands, but there's probably only seven or eight that are the significant major brands. But right. there but there's twenty or thirty that you could run into. How do you manage to keep all all of the right amount of parts in stock? How, how that's got to be a challenge. Your van's only so big. How sure. Do you, how do I, you figure that out? And, and I think that's a problem that any bike shop would have is how do you there's a, a thousand uh, dropouts for a rear axle. You know, it's our rear hub. There's just so many things you can keep on hand, and we're not going to be able to stock everything. We can we can look to see what our customer base is, and for right now we're trying to play the middle of everybody to see because we don't know where we're going to lie. It could be road, it could be mountain, it could be commuter bike. Yeah. But uh, try and keep a little bit of everything, keep track of what we're selling, and then try and add to that and, and tailor it. Is that part of the appointment scheduling uh, process of telling you what kind of bike it is and what problem you think you have with it? it is, it's absolutely. A, uh, and you can also upload a picture of your bike. And, uh, you know, we, we, we know exactly what we're working on before we get there. And if, if there's something specific that you need, we can call and ask and say, do you need this or do you need that? We can make sure that we have those parts on hand before. Yeah, so people like me that pretend to be serious cyclists, uh, <laughs> I'm only pretending. Uh, I, I know what kind of bike I have. I'm mechanically inclined or I, I know what kind of problem I would have. It's like I could tell that, hey, the chain's loose, whatever. But you can imagine also some, some customers out there that maybe aren't quite as in tune with the hardware they've got or maybe not mechanically inclined to know what's wrong other than it doesn't ride. That's right. How do you deal with that kind of thing? It's it's We're going to have to... It's all about communication. You're going to call the customer. Make sure you understand what the what what problem are you having with it. Yeah. And uh, the mechanic that I have, he's a pretty savvy guy. I think that he'll be able to kind of judge, you know, how to how to get to that resolution. Yeah, and that gives you from a business side. That's probably a completely different type of customer because it's there's some you can imagine some of those calls you either won't be able to service because you didn't show up with the right parts because you didn't know what the right parts were, right. or maybe you in the effort to try to make the customer happy, you end up losing money because you come into a problem you didn't expect. And that's, you know, and it, 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 that, that can go for anything. You know, you can go to the auto yeah. parts store and I need an alternator for a 78 Chevy. And do they have it? Who knows? I mean, it, it's they have a network they can pull from and maybe one of them has it, but it's impossible to stock everything. I think the good thing about the bicycle industry is there's just two major component manufacturers in SRAM and Shimano. And, of course, there's other ones that are smaller and more yeah, specific. Yeah. But uh, you can kind of get enough stuff that you can cover a good portion of it, especially chain, a 9-speed chain, a 10-speed chain, 11-speed chain. You're going to have a couple of different uh, 
you know, cassettes and things like that. So we have all that stuff in the van. It's just. So do you do you have a bicycle shop experience uh, previously working in a bike shop? No, I don't. So this is your first time really kind of tackle all these kind of things. But yes. But if you've got a mechanic, so he can handle all the mechanical aspects, and you're you're more of kind of overseer trying to figure out how to run the business then, That's right? correct. I, okay. I deal with the franchise. I deal with the business development. Okay. Uh, he's the guy in the, in the truck. I, I like working on bikes. I work on a bike in my garage, but I'm not fast enough to be able to turn it around on my yeah. own to, for, a, for a paying customer. And you, you mentioned the other day that uh, that your mechanic is in training right now, or perhaps he's back from that. Can you no, he's he, he just started class yesterday. He's a okay. two-week class up at uh, Barnett Bicycle Institute in Colorado Springs. So okay. uh, yeah, it's a good a good course for him. Very cool. That's that's neat. And you, and you come back and you can be assured that he knows what he's doing. He's certified. That's good for you, good for him, and good for the customer to that's know right. that hey, I've got someone that knows what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's definitely good. So back to the uh, kind of the business side of things, you've uh, you've got a kind of traditional uh, desk job for in corporate America, and now you're doing this on the side. Uh, what what are the satisfaction or f- frustrations that you're feeling right now, and the opening steps of this process? I, I like the challenge. The, yeah. And. I'm working a lot, you know. I'm working on a full-time job, and then I'm coming home and changing clothes, getting in the van, coming up here to your podcast, or I'm going out to a group ride. But it doesn't feel like work uh, because I have I've invested in it, and it's not. Uh, it's for me. It's for my family. It, I have a guy that depends on me to make sure this is successful, so that he can take care of his family. Um, and then the the frustrations with it are, yeah. Sometimes you know, you go. Man, I hope I, I hope I haven't bitten off more I, than I can chew, and that this is going to be successful. Yeah, I put a few questions out on social media in in the last couple of days since I met you, uh, asking people uh, say, "Hey, what are some questions you want to you want to ask? Want me to ask uh, the guest?" And uh, I don't know that actually. I got this question from a friend who saw that post and emailed me, so they didn't actually post uh, their question on on Facebook. But the question was, "Are you?" Do you really get stressed about this? Does this actually stress you that you're you've got all this pressure of run, trying to run a business and try to get a business off off the ground? Is that is, is that adding kind of some mental stress there? Uh, it adds a little bit, you know, and uh, but I think uh, some of my strengths are that I'm an organized and in uh, person that I can look ahead and uh, I know if I just stick with it that I, I think we'll be successful. But yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it's absolutely, sometimes you look at the bank statement and you're like, man, it's it's <laughs> starting to get a little low, you know. So, so the, the I, I kind of loaded the question a little bit. The uh, follow-up statement to that question in the email was, was uh, if the person doesn't get stressed from starting their own business, they probably shouldn't be doing their own business. Meaning you've got to have some stake in the game, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, uh, Fear is a good thing sometimes, you know, and makes yeah. it keeps you. Maybe it keeps you awake, but it also drives you. Absolutely. And how about doubt? Do you think you get halfway through this process, and you maybe you you went to pick up the van, and and you think, oh man, what did I do? Why am I doing this? Do you, does it, any of that come into play? Yeah, uh, every day. Like, it, <laughs> it, it's a it's a roller coaster. It goes back and forth, and you you just. I'm too I'm too deep into it now to to turn back, so it, it, I can only go forward and, and and try to make the most of it that I can. Yeah, no, that's that's totally good. And, and to get away from the Debbie Downer type of, type of questions, are you now? F- do you feel like you're now leading a happier, or more satisfying life now that you've kind of got into this and you've kind of taken the leap? Is this, are you getting the payback emotionally from this yet? Yeah, no, I I, uh, I had a conversation with my wife on uh, yesterday that one of one of my colleagues just got a promotion and he was actually my boss. And uh, she's like, you know, it was really too bad that he left. And I was like, and you know, these things happen. I was like, I don't, I didn't see it like that. I saw that it, it was a, it led us down this path. And I have this business now, and we're doing our own thing, and we're responsible for our own future. 
and uh, that was absolutely. I'm I'm really happy that what happened happened because I never would have saw that it played out like this. Yeah, the, the the and if he had stayed, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken this path. I would have stayed on the path that I was already on. So yeah, I'm I'm very happy with it. Everything happens for a reason, huh? Yes. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Uh, let's see. Talk about um, is has there anything come up yet? And you're still kind of new in this process, but anything that has kind of hit you with a bit more risk than you're comfortable with that you didn't expect a week ahead of time? That's like, oh, now this happened. Holy smokes! How do I handle this? No. Uh, I think, and it, we said it, it's moved really fast in six months, but to, at times it's it seemed like I've been uh, running in syrup. You know, it, it seemed like it was really slow, and I had a, a lot of in syrup. That's a good one. <laughs> I had a lot of chances to look and make sure that I was doing the right thing, and we didn't we didn't take we took a risk, but we didn't take such a big risk that if if we do fail, that uh, we can't recover from it. Yeah, so you you've got the van out there that's got all the branding on it. I assume is that leased or is that bought? No, it's I own it. So okay, so even if things go south, you still got a van. That I'll you live could, in the van. My, yeah, my, my wife still, will make me live in the van. The, the so, van's yeah. got value. You yeah. could maybe launch another business in it or something. So Correct. it's not a complete total loss of something. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's actually good to kind of have a bit of a safety net or a backup sure. plan or something. That's definitely good. We'll talk about the process of. Uh, uh, I mean, we've all got hobbies of various types. Of turning a hobby into a business. How how? I mean, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but. But is there a risk that you ruin the hobby? That if you start turning this into a business, then it's no longer a hobby, and now you've lost something that you enjoy doing. I, I, there's always that risk, but I mean, and you you start to see the other side of the the thing that you like to do all the time. But uh, I I don't think so. Like I, I think I'm I'm getting I also enjoy the the managing part of it. I also like the the challenge. So yeah. I have both sides of it, and uh, there's some other things you know personally. Like I I want to show my kids that they don't have to be. They can do stuff like this if they they want to. Like, you know, uh, not necessarily the biggest inspiration in the world, but you know, anything's possible if you just put your mind to it. But it, it, but that is actually important to to um, yeah. I've mentioned before on on the show that I work with uh, high school robotics students, and it is important to show that hey, there is there is a. We've all heard of the linear path. You go to school, you get a job, you work the job. And when you're 65 or so, you retire. But there's all these nonlinear paths. You That's can right. you can get a traditional job and then quit and go do something else. You can do this on the side like yes. you're doing. There's that, and I think that's important to have uh, the youth of America to see that that there's there's some different ways to do things. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think we're in a in, in that situation where and, and I was definitely on that path. Like this is the way it's done. And then yeah, you get to that point and you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. So how do you, how do you change it? And is this the answer? I I don't know. Could be. But for me, it is. Maybe not for the next person, though. Yeah, no, that's that's right. And but the next person has probably got a another nonlinear route that could very well work for them. So right, definitely works. Back to the uh, kind of the business side. Um, you mentioned you've you've bought the van. That's the, that big, nice new van's pretty expensive. You you've got uh, a ton of parts in there. You say you're still building your parts inventory, but um, talk about some of the parts that you do have in stock and how did you go about. You know, how does that work? Do you buy those through the franchise? Do you buy those independently through Amazon or wherever it is you buy them? No, no, we we, we buy from the same place that the other bike shops in the area buy from. We okay. buy from the same distributors, um, and uh, they have uh, uh, they had a list of things like this is what most of the franchises have started off with when when they started, and that's what we used. You know, it was a guide. I mean, it's impossible to unless you know exactly 100% what your customer base is going to be. You're going to kind of have to to play to the middle, like I said earlier. And so, uh, but we went through and we bought the quality stuff and we tried to, to mix it up, have the high-end stuff that a lot of people like, but we also lowered, got some lower price point stuff that 
maybe not everybody needs a set of Continental GP4000. So uh, it's just a place to start. Yeah, but that's a lot of thousands of dollars of parts inventory that's coming out of your pocket for now. Of course, yes. when you sell those, that turns into some good profit margin there. But yes. but that gets to be kind of a risk in itself that not only you bought the van, now you've got $20,000 worth of parts inside. That's right. So, yeah. and it's, it's like you said, it's a risk, but... Uh, we we relied on those in, internal resources to 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 mine them for what they bought, and you know they had good success with it, and I I, I trust them, and hopefully that they were right. Let's break out of the program here for a few seconds to give a shout out to our sponsor, Puzzometry, the hardest puzzle you'll never solve. If you love working on challenging, unique, and beautiful mechanical puzzles, then you've just got to try Puzzometry. P-U-Z-Z-O-M-E-T-R-Y, Puzzometry.com. They have three different puzzles to choose from, and all are for sale at Puzzometry.com. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Puzzometry can also be found on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Lume Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation. Before we get back to the program, I want to let you know that you can find all of the episodes of the Luminovation podcast on our webpage, luminovation.com. That's L-U-M innovation.com, luminovation.com. We are also on iTunes as well as soundcloud.com. All right, I want to take a break here and give a shout out to where we're at here. Those of you that have been listening to the Lumen Innovation Podcast, you know that in episode two of season one, we did a show at the Creator Space in League City. And guess where we're at right now? We're recording this here in the Creator Space in League City um, with uh, Jason not really having a shop. We were trying to figure out where can we record this. And uh, pretty hot day here in Houston. It's probably high of 95 or so today, you think? At right? least. Yeah, pretty hot. Humid, and uh, we entertained the idea of maybe doing it in the van or by the van. I was like, ah, let's go to the creator space. So I called up the guys, and and they were wide open to it. Uh, with such short notice, it was kind of amazing. But um, I definitely want to give a shout-out to Creator Space. That's creatorspace.org. If you're in League City or Southeast Houston and you're interested in um, maker spaces and going and learning and making and building and doing, this is the place for you. If you don't live here, find a creator space, a maker space somewhere in your area and go and join them and you'll learn a lot and you've probably got some skills where you can teach the other folks some things as well but um that is the, the places like this is definitely the heart of the maker movement and entrepreneurship and creative minds and that's exactly what we're trying to celebrate here on the Lumen Innovation podcast let's get back to uh velofix here with jason henson who is the franchise owner of the houston southeast houston i guess what is the name of your uh, velofix clear lake Clear, okay, Velofix Clear Lake. Yep. Okay, and you, do you have uh, social media and stuff yet, or are you still trying to learn no, how to how to no, get we all have, this? Uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's all the same handle. It's uh, at Velofix Clear Lake, uh, but the it's V E L O F I X C L R L A K E. Okay, and website dot com. Uh, Velofix dot com. Okay, well, so that's the Velofix dot com is the main corporate. Yes, and it, and it's and our our stuff is linked through that. So uh, okay. Very cool, very cool. So talk about uh, maybe, let's see, we've already covered lessons learned. Um, what are your next hurdles? You've got you, you're, you've kind of in soft launch mode now. Your your official real launch doesn't happen for another couple weeks here at the end of July. 
Uh, what are some of the hurdles that are coming up for you that you think you're going to maybe have to deal with or struggle with here in the next few weeks or months? Just just getting the word out. And, uh, you know, this is a great forum to start that. And uh, besides just driving around, but, uh, yeah, just getting our name out and uh, competing with the already established businesses that are in the area. And uh, that that's our biggest challenge. Okay. And uh, traditional advertising, radio, TV, billboards, do those things work much anymore or too expensive? Uh, I think they do. I think there's a place for them. Uh, it's also a budget constraint for me at this time. So uh, trying to, to, to get, uh, you know, the best thing I can do is I have a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter that's out there that's painted red, and I can take it around, and it, it draws a lot of attention. So uh, It absolutely does, yeah. And it just costs me gas to run it. So uh, that that's uh, that's the best advertising I can do right now. Okay, very cool. Uh, let's see. So with the social media being being what it is now, um, I've, I've done some advertising on Facebook and all that. And, of course, Facebook advertising in the last couple of years have got a little bit of controversy with all the election stuff. But uh, have you started to capitalize on that, Facebook ads and, and buying ads? Uh, I have once. I, I, I did a, They gave me a $30 credit, and I used that to see how far it went. And it had some reach, and uh, I, I need to, to, to get myself educated a little bit more on the Facebook stuff and, uh, and all social media, for that matter. I, I, I like to read it, and I like to see it, but how to actually take advantage of it is a, is a different animal altogether. I would actually like to do a show if I can find an expert in that because uh, I would like to do a show on how to do that because I need to learn it as well. And you're right that it's it's easy to click around and put an ad up and reach a few thousand people, but you have no idea how, how directly effective it is. That's correct. You know you, you're, you know you're, the, the statistics on these ads tell you, okay, you reached 2,000 people and you did so in the last two days. And it turned into 17 clicks, and then what, right? So what do you what do you do at that, that point? And that and that's what I saw when I I used the the, the 30 dollars credit they gave me. It reached a bunch of people, but they were all outside of my area, yeah. you know, South Texas and North Texas and uh, across the country, which is great that I got people to look at the the site. But doesn't help you. It doesn't help me, but it does yeah. help other franchises that uh, may be in those areas. So that's that's a, a positive aspect. Yeah, and, and Google ads are much the same. I've done a few Google ads over the years for some of the, my various uh, enterprises, and and it's the same way. As it's it, I think it's easy to measure that you're reaching eyes and clicking fingers, but it's hard to trace that back to dollars in in sales or exposure or brand exposure, or whatever. Right. That's that's definitely definitely a thing. Uh, so what other kind of events can you do in the Clear Lake area here in this 20 or 30 mile circle uh, other than just driving around, uh, kind of maybe just rogue show up at a park or something and just... Uh, we've already done that. We've we've gone to parks on the other side of uh, the lake and set up and he's he's tuned a bike that was his own bike for free and just, you know, he's... It's, his his office can change every day. Like a, he can go and look at Clear Lake, or he can go and be in a neighborhood, or he can go to a different park over in Pearland, and we get to see something all the time. That's pretty cool. So talk about the process of of taking the big leap to hiring an employee. So you, you're you're employee number one, and you've you went out and you hired a mechanic. Uh, for the potential business owners out there, and I hope that's kind of part of the audience here. Uh, how do you start a business? So how how do you go and make that leap to hiring a person? Who do you have to talk to? What kind of lawyers? What kind of advice do you have to get to take the leap to hire that first guy? Uh, well, I, I'm I'm set up through a, a, a payroll company, so I've okay. got all that covered. And uh, it was just as simple as putting an ad on several different websites, you know, trying to get it out there. Uh, some of them were professional sites related to bicycle mechanics, and some of them were Indeed and Craigslist, just to see where we could get some uh, some traction. So in Googling the last uh, f- few days to try to research uh, for the show, I actually came across the ad for your mechanic. Uh, okay. And, uh, and I, I read through it. Um, 
and then I got busy. I wish I had time to go back and re- review that today as I've got smarter about your brand. But uh, So how, how did did that process actually work when you went to Indeed or some of these other monster.coms or whatever? How does that process work for a, a company looking to hire employees? Uh, it's it, it was okay. Uh, every, uh, very, there's, there's not any... I learned that there wasn't anything free for yeah. putting anything out there. And you thought, you know, Craigslist, you can put a, uh, an ad for a bicycle out for free that you're trying to get out of your garage. But if you actually want to hire, they do charge you. It's one of the cheaper ways to go. And, uh, and I got an interview out of that. But, uh, you know, uh, Indeed was uh, was a great resource, putting money out there. And uh, they, you know, you can, it's just like social media. You can add money to it to boost it, to get more recognition for it. So uh, it's it's all a... It's it's a it's a it's a crapshoot. Okay, and that you know that that's actually good input because there's like I said there's people out there wanting to take the leap that you've done and and all of these things of uh, what worked for me, what didn't work for me, what kind of maybe worked, but I'm not sure if yeah. it worked. You know, those are those are important. Right, and, yeah. and indeed, I got the most feedback on you know it, it, we touched this many people, you you know this many uh, ads came across, you know this many people saw it, so uh, that was the best. The other places I I did were that were maybe professional websites didn't give me that uh, that kind of feedback okay then that's yeah that, that's definitely good that's that's part of what we're trying to trying to talk about here have you done any big uh, like ms 150 type rides or big rides like that is that is that uh, kind of in your playbook it, it is it's i haven't done them before but they're on my on my agenda uh but it's always there's family stuff that comes up yeah, and uh, yeah, things right. like that and i just haven't had time and you know it's I need to start applying to those things like I did with the, the uh, purchase in the business. You know, you, you can only wait so long before you need to just take that leap and go do it. Yeah, that's right. And coming up here in a few months is a ride that I've done many times. It's called Bike Around the Bay. Are you familiar with that yes, ride? Yes, I am. Okay, and that's actually going right through your area. Yes, it is. So is that something you're targeting I, as a marketer? It is. It's something I need to reach out and, and talk to them about. So uh, okay. it's it's uh, it's on my agenda. It's on my uh, it's in my notebook to make the phone call. Yeah, and that's that's benefiting the Galveston Bay Foundation, which is a really good foundation to kind of conserve the Galveston Bay area and keep it protected. That's a ride I've done many times. It is a hard ride at times because it's the routes changed a bit over the years. It's now a two day, 180 mile ride which is a ton of miles two days in a row, but uh, it goes all the way around Galveston Bay. But I suspect that, that, that even a few, uh, certainly it would be good to get become an official sponsor or somehow a supporter of that, but I suspect that you could just kind of park your truck along the route and just rogue, right? Just go yeah, rogue. I, we could. You know, I, I want to have the cooperation of the event and the yeah. people that are there, and, that, and that's the best thing, but you're absolutely right. Like, we could just set up at the end of the, the road and, like, could come to the to the mid the midway point and say if you need something or a water stop and there we are and hey we just happen to have tires and or we just ran out of gas here so you never know so uh, yeah that's 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 right what's your long term plan with this you you mentioned earlier you you would kind of ideally in some dream world take over all nine franchises uh, franchises of Houston is that really on the radar is that something you would like no that's that's absolutely on the radar and that's that's what I'm working towards and that's uh, that's where I'm going but you know I like I said we have to get this one up and going and be successful for to help fund the next one in the line. How many of those could you do before you would have to finally say, okay, I've got to quit my regular job? I don't know. I, I, that's uh, and that's the the, the, the question. And, and you know, since we're talking about entrepreneurship and things like that, for for me this year, there's no salary in it for me. This is all 100% labor and and uh, and work for me. With and I'm I'm hoping I'm banking on it that it'll be successful enough that in the in the future I'll be able to take a salary from it. Got it. It's it is totally okay to to not answer the following question for personal reasons, but how much cash is this requiring to uh to to get off the ground and just to kind of take the plunge and give this a try? 
between 150 and 200 thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's good to have that range, so people yeah. have an idea. And much of that, I'm sure, is the van. The van is a big part of that. Yeah, that's a, a huge that's, part of it. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a big nice van, and it's got all the wrappings on it. But uh, so some of that can be done with cash and with with a loan. But that's that's a that's a fairly significant risk. That's, yeah, it is. But that's still way cheaper than buying a brick and mortar bike shop, like you had mentioned. That's right. Yeah. And and depending on which, what's the level of uh, commitment somebody has on in a brick and mortar bike shop. Uh, you know, some of the local franchises, like you said, it's, that's here. I'm sure they're in the millions of dollar range because yeah. they have an established customer base. They have uh, good traffic. They're in a major metropolitan area. And the one I was looking for was out in central Texas. And while they were uh, good for that area, they're not nearly the size of what this was. Yeah, I remember uh, several years back, there was a, a national chain sandwich shop that we've all heard of opened here in League City. And uh, I just happened to talk to the owner just a few minutes while I was in there. And she said that, that she had to get a $750,000 loan to open that sandwich shop, including the franchise fees and the building and right. the real estate. And, and I'm like, man, that's that's a whole lot of $3 sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, our, our, our basic tune is $79. So, yes, we need to sell a lot of basic $79 tunes. And, and it, I guess uh, over how many years are you hoping to get that? Uh, I guess uh, amortized over how many years is your hundred fifty thousand dollar investment? It's a five year commitment, so I'm I'm, okay. I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't take the whole five years, but yeah. you know, uh, uh, I'm I'm hoping to to make it back fairly quickly. But that that at least makes it realistic. That's thirty or forty thousand a year just to to break even, and that's right. that's not a crazy number for a business. No, that's it's it's it's, it's doable, and it, and it's all how much do you want to hustle, and how much do you want to get out there and make your make your 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 your, your coin. Yeah, very cool. Um, any words of advice for someone young coming along, maybe a 25-year-old that's thinking, uh, I've got a choice between corporate world or going doing something crazy and new and different? Just give it a shot. You know, that's the only thing. Like you, you can be scared and not and not take that risk, and a lot of us are. You know, uh, and I'll put myself in the category too. I was scared for a long time. You know, it's uh, it's there's safety and there's the unknown, and sometimes it just turns out right. You just got to believe in yourself in the process, and hopefully it comes all around for you. I will tell you right now that will be the uh, the pull clip we'll put right at the very front of the podcast. <laughs> very good. Uh, very cool. We're here with uh, Jason Henson, the entrepreneur behind a local franchise of VeloFix, a mobile bicycle shop. Um, give a shout out once again for your email address, your phone numbers, your uh, social medias, however people may want to get in touch with you. Uh, you can go to VeloFix.com to book your service, and you can get a hold of our particular franchise at uh, on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at... Uh, Velofix, V-E-L-O-F-I-X-C-L-R-L-A-K-E. So uh, we'd had to cut the clear lake down a little bit because of uh, character limits, and uh, I think it was Instagram. Okay, so do that again. It's L-A... V-E-L-O, C-L-R... Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. V-E-L-O-F-I-X-C-L-R-L-A-K-E. Okay, so you've taken the, the E and the A out of clear. That's correct. Uh, but otherwise, it's clear lake without right. those. Okay, very cool. And... Facebook on there, and you've got a, maybe a phone number. Some people could... could uh, 281-917-7601, and that's our uh, phone, and you can give us a call anytime. Very cool. If you need your bike fixed, this is the place to go. Get get this uh, get this entrepreneur off the ground. Let's let's give him a strong start, and, and even if you're not in the area, go find the nearest VeloFix near you, and uh, let's get these guys going. Yeah, thank you very much for having us out. I really appreciate it. Very and cool. good luck on your ride next week. So. Oh, yeah, I'm going up to uh, Ragbri next week. Uh, so those of you that were listening last year, our very first episode was the Ragbri, the Registers Annual Great Bike Ride Across Iowa. What a fun event. That's that's just 
a party on wheels. It's it's amazing. Go back and listen to uh, season one, episode one. Cool. Thanks. Thank you very much. I'm Jim Fox, and thank you for listening to the Loom Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live.